When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Another hour with you here. Appreciate you being with us as always. Got you covered for a Libations Friday tomorrow as well. Yes, it'll be Mom's crowning of champion tomorrow, by the way. I will pay tribute and do the right thing. As she knocked off her son this year, and she will get her flowers. She will get her just due uh, tomorrow. Uh, on the Jeff Cameron Show. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show, And I mentioned it before we went to break, Tom. I know it caught your attention, as it did everybody else who's going to closely monitor what will be, unless they come to the bargaining table, a long, drawn-out process. Because it's now lawsuits, plural. And it's uh, I have a feeling that that's going to continue to grow. Uh, the suit countersuit suit countersuit game and um so the north carolina court stayed its ruling on the motion to seal the mma it's allowing time for espn to file a brief in favor of its confidentiality and allow fsu a chance to respond to any briefing by espn fsu secondarily filed a motion, as I mentioned before the break, to dismiss under Rule 12 of the North Carolina Rules of Civil Procedure for lack of subject matter jurisdiction, lack of personal jurisdiction, and failure to state a claim upon which relief may be granted. FSU's motion briefly goes into their uh, reasons as to why the ACC suit violated each of those requirements. North Carolina uh, from what I'm told, is a state that's unique with motions as more jurisdictions require you to file your brief and support with your motion. But in North Carolina, you file the motion starting your stating your position and then obtain a hearing date and briefs are due 48 hours from the hearing date. Um, if you look at it like a 10,000 foot view, the, the brief is lengthy. It's 10, 10 to 20 pages uh, with discussions of all facts and facets, laws, case law, analysis, legal conclusions, 
that is typically only you get you get basically what I was told you get one bite at the apple here. So what FSU did was throw the kitchen sink at them in in their in their suit. Um and you know, I would have to probably dig deeper with our next law conversation about whether or not somebody who's an expert in that can tell me whether or not they think Florida State will be successful and if so where and if if not uh where they think some of the um, I guess, you know, accusations are, are, are going to fall on deaf ears. They asked, FSU did, that if the case isn't dismissed, that the court at least stay the matter, as I said earlier, until the conclusion of the Florida suit. The hearings are virtual and open to the public in Mecklenburg County, so we'll be able to see any of those arguments if you want to. That is, that's something you can find out and, and watch. Uh, but that is the latest, and that is an update, and that is kind of a lot. It is. The uh, the hard part I have is reconciling what's going on with Florida State and the ACC with the knowledge that on some level here, ESPN and Fox are now working together in order to create this streaming network. Mm-hmm. So You and I talked about that yesterday. We did. And, and Warner's with them as well, and that's Turner Sports, essentially, so uh, TNT, TBS Sports. But I have a h- hard time reconciling. Florida State wants to take the following measures. They want to get out of the ACC, and if they've got to burn some things down along the way, they'll burn some things down. You get ev- even into the state politics of the attorney general asking for the playoff committee to you know submit records, whatever. I don't think they ever did that. It's February. Uh, it must have been some grandstanding outside of Doak and nothing more because the follow-up has not been there. But do you really want to piss off a television network at this time thinking that perhaps you could play one against the other when it seems like the two television networks are now working together, at least on the future of their linear channel delivery system? Like this is the way that they're going to deliver their product to the masses in you know, one-third partnerships with themselves, ESPN, Fox, and then Turner slash Warner Brothers Sports. I don't know. It, this this gets really interesting. And you consider also the fact that the SEC and the Big Ten's commissioners have met in the last week and have said, guys, nothing to see here. We still believe in the NCAA. We are not trying to govern ourselves. I promise you. We are not trying to spin off football or anything else into two big conferences. I believe that's exactly what they're doing. So if you've got the networks working together and their proxies, which are the SEC and the Big Ten working together, I just hope that Florida State doesn't burn bridges thinking that they'll never need to cross that bridge again when maybe on the other side of this legal action that they might very well need to do that. No, I think what will happen instead, Tom, and the reason I don't worry about it is there has to be, for this to be as successful as they want it to be, you're acquiring assets to make your case for the cost of said service, right? In what world is that not greatly enhanced by Florida State's presence? Amongst others, amongst others. Yeah, Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, It's just that I I think before this relationship was announced, it's easy to play one against the other. But now you might be seeing the same person. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, I agree. But I never believed that we were really playing the Big Ten off the SEC or the SEC off the Big Ten. It was always going to be the Big Ten and ESPN. And I think that those two creating what you think they're creating, which is – the power to the super conference, the whole, the thing, the very thing they say they're not creating, 
Yes. Well, then that that'll supersede anything to, that has to do with this lawsuit. They're going to say Florida State, North Carolina, name a few other entities. Assets is the better way of saying that. That would enhance the value of this. Thus, we could charge more. Right. I'm not saying bend the knee to ESPN. Don't get me wrong, because yeah. you have to you have to attack both sides of that agreement, that grant of rights, in order to get to the direction that you want to get to. It's just that I would imagine we've got some political people, like savvy political people that are engineering this process on the Florida State side. You could piss off Jim Phillips and never be on his Christmas card list. But Bristol, you don't want to go quite that far. So it's like you you want to direct your anger at the grant of rights, which is a, a two-party agreement. But you really want to focus on that ACC side of the grant of rights. Yeah, I think because they are. When this yeah. thing all gets restructured on the other side, just make sure that you didn't make an enemy yeah. out of somebody who you will need to be your friend. And I think they are. I mean, I think that is that some of what they've done, they've had to do in order to make the larger case. And that involves the agreement that took place, they think, incompetently between the former ACC commissioner and ESPN. Yes, but th this is also two parts. Like I kind of alluded to it before. I'll say it more bluntly. You need your politicians to stop poking at the the network versus network conspiracy with the college football committee thing. Like that's fun to go get some votes, but at some point that's going to get annoying. Yeah, and it's going to serve, even though they're in the same state and they're not wearing garnet and gold per se. But that kind of stuff from a senator's office or an attorney general's office can start to piss off some people who might have the, the puppet strings. I think the, the ACC lawsuit part of it is fair game. But like you, know, you might want to slow your roll on that stuff. And it seems like it has slowed down because there's no more political capital there. I mean, it was hot and heavy for about six weeks. And all we heard was like this office and that office and this office accusing the playoff committee. Thankfully, that has kind of died down because in the end, they're all going to be working together. They just told you that ESPN Fox just told you that they're going to be working together on a delivery system. So let's just let's just get in that club and then worry about stuff later. What I thought was funny, and I know you alluded to it, but in for the purposes of uh, bringing it to our audience, the the Greg Sankey SEC commissioner talking about the relationship between the SEC and the Big Ten and their stated goals, the the partnership. Uh, they want to advise Tom. Of course, they want to advise, but they're not not in lieu of, but they want to advise. Well, it reads like this, which is funny. I agree with you. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said yesterday that the new strategic partnership between his conference, the SEC, and the Big Ten is a response to a need for leadership. Well, you can stop there. Who's going to be providing that leadership, Right. Yeah, those two. That's it. That's all. They are taking over. They, they, I laughed when he said that because right after that is this whole idea that there it's a partnership with the NCAA. No, 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 no. We wanted to, quote, introduce new perspectives, new ideas, some new thinking, or maybe even more important, help cut through the bureaucratic tape we face so often in college athletics. We're not trying to circumvent the NCAA. Yes, you are, and that's fine. The NCAA is incompetent. They've proven that for a very long time. Sankey went on to say the partnership with the Big Ten would not act unilaterally, but would instead be focused on creating a more streamlined approach to identifying solution to college football's issues. Once again, dictating terms, including the college football playoff, Tom. Name, image, and likeness rules as well. 
and the ongoing litigation facing college athletics. Quote, what keeps me up at night is people thinking I have a set of magical answers. There are magical answers to our historic realities that have worked really well in college sports for decades. But now we're being challenged in different ways, challenged within our own campus settings, challenged in courts, challenged in state legislature, and challenged in Congress. He said he first considered the partnership with the Big Ten after feeling frustrated by a lack of progress during meetings during the college football playoff in the Division I Council just a month ago. After the latter meeting, Sankey said a number of stakeholders approached him asking for the SEC and the Big Ten to simply identify their goals together. He reached out to the Big Ten commissioner, Tony Petiti, and said, uh, hey, let's pursue a partnership. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to take that responsibility of leadership and see if we could develop some ideas that help us. And by us, he means the Big Ten and the SEC. But that's not how he used us there. <laughs> it was a fun read. Well, so this goes back to something that occurred almost 10 years ago now. It was January 2015. And I recall the Auburn athletic director saying something to the effect of, uh, this is something that will change the nature of college athletics. We just don't know how yet. And that was when the NCAA allowed for Power 5 to have autonomy over creating their own set of rules that's different than the other set of NCAA rules because their institutions were a lot different looking than non-Power 5 institutions. Budget-wise, sports stadium-wise, ratings-wise, like the NCAA got it that, man, we can't apply the same rule for an FCS school that we're applying to you or Division II school. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think that was the the precedent that was set for this particular jump to be made where they go from P5 to P2. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're asserting control. I wonder if Sankey at some point just said, if nobody's going to do it, how about I just power play my way into being the commissioner of college football? Because that's what it sounds like he's trying to do to me. Which, again, doff of the cap. This is a guy who the second the door was cracked ever kicked his way through and did whatever he could on behalf of the conference he works for, the SEC. And that's his job. I've never had a problem with that. He does his job better than every other conference commissioner. That's a nicer way of saying it. It, it, piss, it can piss you off if you're not in the SEC and you can feel left out, alienated, frustrated. All that's fine. But by definition, he's doing his job and doing it well, and he's doing so ruthlessly. Again, I will point out, what he got right and what Jim Phillips got so wrong and many others is he recognized where all this was eventually going to go and said, well, why not us? Why not us? Why, why aren't we just the ones who are going to benefit most? I'll be the guy that kicks down the door and make sure my conference reaps all the rewards. While everybody else was hoping that the greater good was being adhered to, he recognized the ship had sailed. It's like when we used to talk about on the show all the time, if you want the purity of football to go back to a time that hasn't existed in 60 years, go watch the Ivy League, man. For all the student athletes that you want to see do it the right way, go watch the Ivy League. But for those that watch big boy football and want to eat from the same money trough of big time televised sports, you recognize that's long gone. That's long, The purity and all the stuff that you would wish to be back, that was always a euphemism as well. It's long gone. Correct. It's insulting. Uh, like, so if Jim Phillips is going to stand up there and talk about gated neighborhoods and so forth and 
you know, uh, college athletics is about, you know, student athletes. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I was laughing at him when we were there. Dude, that wasn't the case 20 years before you took this job at the ACC. Like that, that had already happened when television, when television found out they could make a lot of money off of football and, and March madness, like that was over. These other sports are coming along for the ride as their popularity rises. It's the playbook that they're going to follow. So the thing is, that's not a genuine statement. He's not lost. And, and that, that is a malicious statement that he's making. He knows better than college athletics being about what he purports them to be about. Yes, do student athletes benefit from college athletics? Absolutely, they do. But if you think that's the way that it was like five years ago or before that (laughs) you got stabbed in the back by the Big Ten and the alliance that you formed that lasted 10 minutes, like you're not telling the truth here. So that's the thing is this is all going to get reorganized. You're watching it happen right now. It's just that Florida State is trying to exit their terrible contract at the time that these tectonic plates are shifting. It's a... it's like watching a trapeze act, man, and there is no net whatsoever. Like, this is live or die. By the way, that alliance was referenced in the interview that the quotes were taken from. It was an interview with Paul Feinbaum that Sinky did, uh, which is his personal forum to say whatever he wants and has been for a very long time. Um, that alliance, of course, you just referenced it, previously used by the commissioners, commissioners of the ACC and the Pac-12 and former Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, that was the ill-fated consortium aimed at uh, countering the SEC's power. And then, uh, you know, that was Texas and Oklahoma joining the league. And then pretty quickly uh, we saw what the Pac-12 did with the Big Ten uh, or the Big Ten did to the Pac-12. Uh, Sankey was quick to note in that moment, that's a bad word. We don't use that word, meaning the word alliance. He suggested his relationships with the other members of college athletics leadership were harmed by the SEC's addition of Texas and Oklahoma, a move that kicked off the latest round of realignment that ultimately resulted in the demise of the Pac-12, which now includes Oregon State and Washington State. Those are the only two members of the Pac-12. They're holding down the fort, baby. Uh, Sankey insisted he's not interested in cutting out the NCAA or other conferences from making uh, decisions moving forward. (laughs) And then chuckled heartily as he said, thanks for having me on, Paul. So Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hey Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. They're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy 
The Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. They were going to meet on a Rocky Mountain Street. Two bashful hearts beat. Ah, there he is, the great Paul Westerberg, lead singer of The Replacements. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Let's check in where I've got bets taking place because it's about me. So here we go. As I look now, Tom, I'm right there in the mix. I have Matthew Fitzpatrick uh, this weekend at the Phoenix Open. He is at minus four, tied for third. I also have your favorite golfer, Jordan Spieth, buddy, and he's at minus three, tied for fifth and still on the course. And I was one pick shy of taking Sahith Thigawa, Sahith Thigawa, if I could say his name. And I didn't pick him. And he's a 600 in the leader currently. But uh, that's all right. If I've got two of my three, I'm doing all right. And I'll scan further down to find out who else is in it and see if I'm in it. That's, uh, that's all you can do, buddy. That's all you can do. I love this tournament every year. And it gets overshadowed because it's Super Bowl weekend. But one of these days, I'd like to meet you out there and we could have a good time and watch the par 316th and all that goes with it before we get too old. I think we need to do that in the next couple of years mm. because uh, as as the college football calendar goes, this is the time to cut. Like Super Bowl weekend's dead. The coaches are on vacation if they ever do take such a thing, but this is kind of the break. So, yeah, I would 100% want to do that. Plus, they know what they're doing out there. They end that event a couple hours before kickoff. Like if there's a playoff, it gets kind of close, but it takes a multi-hole playoff at the WM to get close to kickoff of the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, 100% in. I remember when the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, uh, mm. our guy Brooksy, he won uh, the WM. He chipped in on 17, as, as you recall that day. I do. I do recall. And uh, that's a tournament that every person who has the right attitude, at least the player who has the right attitude, uh, enjoys because it's so different than the rest of the PGA Tour. I mean, it's like a giant party. And as they've all pointed to numerous times, when everybody's loud, it's like white noise. So it, it's not it, it's not a distraction at all. If when you walk into the cauldron that is 16, right, and you're getting set to hit the shot, if everybody's screaming at you and booing you or celebrating you or both or whatever, then it's fine. It's only if there's like a smattering of people yelling just as you're about to swing that it becomes a problem. So most of the guys that are smart walk in and go, bring it on. Let's go. And that's the way to do it. And they've figured it out over the years. It's absurd, but it's also funny. There's a couple of places to get set up there. And if you're listening out there and, and you know a hospitality way to get some of these uh, these spots at WM, feel free to reach out to us. Yeah, but, we'll uh, take you up on it. The number one place that I'd actually want to set up, like you go do 16. You got to do it. And and even if that means the bleachers for a day or whatever, like you just got to live it and experience yeah, you it. Gotta, yeah, you want to try it, yeah. But there's a hospitality suite on 17, the drivable par four. I like those holes in terms of entertainment value when you're there even more. Uh, and it also wraps around and you can see 18 behind you. Like that is the ideal one-two punch. It's on the left side of, of 17. So if anybody knows uh, the right people, you just let us know. 
This is also typically uh, annually, since somebody asked me yesterday who I had, that's why I bring this up right now. It's typically the easiest tournament to first guess and bet because it holds to form. People who've played well at this tournament in previous years play well in this tournament every year. Uh, obviously, at this point, you know, you, you kind of you go through the last 10 winners and then look at their f- course form there, and every year that they've played there, they've played well there. So you can, you can identify a lot of guys. That doesn't necessarily mean they will this year, but um, there are a lot of guys that fit that category, like 10, 15 guys who every year end up in the top 10. You're like, well, yep, he's going to play well there. Putting is kind of largely removed from the equation, although this year it is, um, it's a little cold. You know what I'm sad to see? Our boy Gary Woodland, who has one here, is uh, you know making a mockery of what I just said. He's plus seven Ooh, through twelve. Oh man, through twelve, Gary. Well, he'll always have Pebble. He had one hot week at Pebble. I mean, it's it's off the reservation, my man. It's not a difficult course. I mean, it's playing difficult today because it's cold, but. Plus seven through 12, I'm frightened. I hate to see it. I won't tune into that round. It makes me, I mean, I don't know. It gives me the willies when I watch guys who are really good doing dumb things that we do. I don't like it. <laughs> the, guy, the guy that I wanted to put some money down on, and he tees off in 24 minutes, so I got time. But uh, it's uh, Sam Burns. because he Sam he's Burns playing well is 20, right now. He is, and he's 20 to one, at least as of this morning. It was 20 to one to win. And as you've said, guys have, you know, horses for courses. He was sixth uh, last year when he played this event, sixth. Then he averages top 15. He's a weird guy, though, because uh, when he plays well, he plays really well. When he plays bad, you'll know early on, and he's no factor. So, 100%. But last year, he was Watch today's round carefully, Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but the thing is that last year, he was hot in February. And, and in March, he played well at the uh, at Austin the last year of the match play. He played well leading up to the Masters. So, yeah. Sometimes there are guys who get on a streak like that. Like Hideki can get hot in the winter. Rory certainly has been very hot in the, the Florida swing, specifically before the Masters a bunch of times. Ian Poulter has been in the past. Uh, our guy Tyrrell Hatton, he, didn't he just leave for live? But uh, Tyrrell, yeah. yeah. He didn't want to play real golf anymore. Yeah. Can't play Bay Hill anymore, but yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, by the way, somebody asked about it when I brought up draft grades, top 200. You can find that list just about anywhere. PFF also has a list, by the way. We use that service, but that's not what I was using there. I did have PFF's draft grades factored into the other six that I used. NFL.com was one as well. There are a lot of sites that do this, but it is kind of fun because you'll go through, and I know you do this for your stories that you write during the course of the season using PFF. Um, and some of the other analytics, it's kind of cool to note like where you'll, you know, they have an overall grade at the end of the year for our players. And if, if you go to that and look up verse, um, remember a lot of people, uh, so his games plays, he played in 13 year before he had played 12 games year before that he played in 10 games. Um, by far and away, the most amount of snaps that he's played in a single season was last year, 586, you know, he played 412 snaps in 2022. So 586 last year, Tom, and he ended up obviously for his career uh, having great numbers, but they go A gap, B gap, over the tackle, outside the tackle, off the ball. They go into every possible category, and he rates extremely highly. So again, there were 
I don't know, conversations during the course of the year that he wasn't having a great season. He had a very good season. He had a very good season. All the numbers that, that add into that, he had a an elite season, especially because he showed that he could do both, right? Plays the run very well, changes the game, sets the edge, but also gets after the quarterback. Yeah, this was you're right. This was a breakdown that I did. It also was just clips of games and and um you know early in the season when there was no production. I think there might have been a TFL or two. Uh, but you're just showing clips of the games and, and you're seeing the impact. Like you can see it. You can see uh, you know the speed, you could see the burst, you could see that he's healthy, like all of those things. You could check all those boxes, and it's coming. You know, you just you know that the production is coming. You also know that at some point somebody's scheming to stop you. You are the featured player that they are, are they're game planning against. And when that happens, maybe the production goes down, but you free up somebody else to go make plays. So uh, it never to me looked like a, uh Oh, he should have gone to the NFL last year when his stock was high situation. It always looked like things were fine. Who do you think has the longest and best career? Uh, I bring it up. Let me tell you why I bring this up. Um, we can talk about the group and who we think has the longest and best career uh, of those that will be drafted this year. We just got talking about the robust number of Knowles that will. I I bring it up because of the cool, um, you know, Naughty back to the Super Bowl storyline. And I think back on Naughty to the Knowles. I think back on how fun it was when, when I mean, it, it's been a minute now uh, since we did the Naughty to the Knowles on the Jeff Cameron show and had a good time with it. But I'm sure you saw the release from Florida State and where it puts him, um, Kansas City defensive tackle, three-time All-ACC performer, Derek Nadi has the opportunity to earn his third Super Bowl ring this Sunday. And Nadi, who uh, lettered for the Seminoles from 2014 through 2017, so think back to when we were declaring, that's, 10, that's t- over 10 years ago now. That, that's hard to fathom. It's been that long since, we, since his recruitment. Yeah, that, hurt, that hurts a little bit, yeah. Earned all ACC accolades each of his final three seasons. Advanced to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in his first six years in the NFL. Previously helped the Chiefs win the Super Bowl uh, twice. Advanced to another one. He joins JT Thomas as the only Florida State alumni to advance to four Super Bowls. With a Kansas City win, Nottie would also become the second former FSU player to earn three Super Bowl rings, trailing only Thomas's four Super Bowls. Nottie's inclusion in the Super Bowl marks the 12th straight Super Bowl with Florida State representation, and 42 of the 58 Super Bowls all-time. Florida State alumni have collected 95 Super Bowl appearances and earned 49 Super Bowl rings. A win by Kansas City would mark the eighth straight year that at least one knoll was on a winning team, 32nd all-time. Florida State has won eight college programs with multiple Super Bowl MVPs. Uh, I knew Fred Bolitnikoff was in there, and he had, you know, clearly – and a huge impact on their 32-14 win over Minnesota in the Super Bowl. But that was before you were watching Super Bowls. It was before you were watching anything. It was before I was, too. Dexter Jackson, as we remember, winning the Super Bowl MVP for our Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two interceptions and an ass-stomping over the Oakland Raiders, 48-21. to Maybe Nottie adds to the uh, all-time collection of rings. Pretty cool, right? It is, and if you are indeed asking me who I think has the longest NFL career, I, I do believe it's a sleeper in this group. I think it's a sleeper. I think Renardo Green has a chance to be the number two cornerback in a secondary 
nondescript, like the way he is now. Like, even when he became our best corner, it wasn't because he was making game-changing you know, plays, blitzing off of the edge or pick sixes or anything along those lines. He's just solid as a damn rock. And those guys are so hard to find at the professional level. Man, I could see Renardo Green nine, ten years from now when they do the, the opening lineups. And, like, he's either the first guy off the bench or the nickel back or maybe he shifted to the slot later in his career. But, like, Ronald Darby, for example. Ronald Darby plays for the yeah. Ravens and, <laughs> and he came off the bench this playoffs. and yeah, He started a game like, because of injury in one of them. Yeah. Correct. I mean, they had some moments that didn't go so hot for him, but my man's been in the league forever. Like, I, I could see us looking back and saying, man, damn it, Renardo is still going. Good for Renardo Green, because that's been the story of his whole career. Like, I just, I think it would be very fitting if he continues that trend where it's just, man, that dude keeps collecting checks and keeps playing solid corner at the, in the league level. It's not a bad one. You're right. He does fit the descriptor of a guy that you didn't really think about because we're apt to think about a verse. We're apt to think about a Keon Coleman and how dynamic those players are. We're apt to think of a Trey Benson at running back and guys like that. But the steadiness and, and just being kind of a pro's pro, not elite, but good enough to be on a team year in and year out where you look up in eight years you're like, that dude's still out there doing it. Yeah, you're right. He does fit that. The dudes who last the longest who are, you know, they're solid. They're, whole, they're just solid as a rock. Now, I'm not saying he would be, you know, the most uh, he would have the most accolades at the time that he hangs them up. Like, I don't know that I put him in the top no, three. No, no. Top five of dudes who would have the most accolades of Pro Bowls or all pro selections or, or things like that. Player of the Week awards. But Renardo, had, man, it's just so funny how things work. Omarion Cooper had proven to be our best cover corner two off seasons ago. And we're thinking, all right, so one side of the field is, is Omarion's. And it didn't work at all in his sophomore season. And Renardo was, ah, we'll, we'll see what he can do. And Renardo ended up being our best cover corner. Like, it's just something about that career path says to me longevity at, at the professional level. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I like your pick. I was hoping you'd go a different direction, but you got me. <laughs> That's one way to solve for the future. Way, way to ruin it. Yeah, that is one way to solve for the future. Is that what we were doing there? I didn't even bother to tell anybody that we were solving for the future. I need to do a better job of telling everybody about ISF. I'll do it in a second. By the way, I wasn't making fun of Gary Woodland. I understand he had brain surgery. He's played since, by the way. But, yes, I, I, I get it. I'm not knocking him. I love Gary Woodland. I met Gary Woodland at the Masters. There you go. There's a name drop. Talked with Gary. Great guy. Not making fun of him. I said I hate to see him struggle. It's brutal. When you're 7 over through 12, it's not good. Everybody's like, oh, Cameron's making fun of Gary. And I'm not making fun of Gary Woodland. I don't like to see him playing poorly. Jeff, he's dying of pancreatic cancer. You can't knock. I'm not knocking him. <laughs> I know. It's, he had a surgery on a brain. He had a legion. They got it. He actually gave it a wonderful interview afterwards, not right after the surgery. That would have been weird. But he did do it most recently, and it was an awesome interview, and I brought that up on the show too. Suck it. Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. All right, friends, let's talk about Factor. That's right, two-minute meals, fuel you up fast. Factor's restaurant quality meals at that, ready to heat and eat whenever you are. I use them for my family. I use them every day to eat nutritiously, but also I'm on the go, and I want something calorie smart. There are times where I'll go a week worth of factors for lunch, and I'll just go vegan or veggie. Other times I go pure keto. I can worry about, you know, 
whether it's vegetable-based uh, or protein-based or meat-based or whatever it might be, they have the options for you all the way around. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout every time you do it. It's also flexible to your schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash Cameron50. I'm going to save you some money, guys. Do it up. It's delicious. Cameron50. Use code Cameron50 to get 50% off. That's code Cameron50 at factormeals.com slash Cameron50 to get 50% off. Trust me. Delicious. You'll thank me. A lot of variety. Tasty. Factormeals.com slash Cameron50. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. couple things here. I don't want to shortchange my friends at ISF. Got to do the right thing here since I went off kilter there and wasn't uh, wasn't paying attention to what we were supposed to be doing. Jonathan, you know I love you. You know I love ISF. You know I love all the things you do, the service-based work that you guys do. You help agencies across the country and right here in good old Florida. They've helped the Department of Children and Families and done a lot of work. Folks with the Guardian Adelitum. Done a lot of good stuff there. And uh, I mentioned that children's and family stuff. I always like to, to read about the stuff that ISF has done with them. Um, help define their vision, their goals for the future. Critical system serving, with, which is the public good, right? Delivered a detailed roadmap to guide modernization of the technology operations. Updated schedule. Did um, 4B documentation of the department to request funding for improvements and those things. ISF can, can do that for, for you, too. You guys listening in state government. Um, solving for the future is to to bring in guys like uh, bring in guys like uh, Naughty. Look, we're just talking about the players that are playing the Super Bowl and talent acquisition. Harder than ever before and weirder than ever before. But it's their job. We have seen today, too, you know, there were three more signees. I'm talking about high school signees that spoke before the media, five players in total. You had Sean Murphy and Earl Little from Alabama in terms of the transfers. But then uh, you had Kai Bates, Jamari Howard, and Charles Lester, three defensive backs that Florida State has brought in. I was extremely impressed by all the interviews. Kai Bates is here for business purposes. Mm -hmm. I love that mm -hmm. about his personality. You can tell he's here to get the job done. Uh, to do it right, uh, he's talked about some of the guys he's bonded with already, one of which is AZ Thomas. I love to hear that because Azaria is very much the same way. It's about what, is, what am I responsible for today? Let's get that knocked out, and let's see if we can have some fun along the way. But you're solving – this defensive back room, I think, is solved, period, for the future. The last it's almost two too much, Tom. It's I, almost too much. Yes. <laughs> the last two waves of the guys you brought in out of high school combined with players – like Azaria Thomas and Shaheem Brown, and I'm counting Earl Little as part of the veteran mm -hmm. core, and Greedy Vance, and Fentrell Cypress. I mean, man, that defensive back room is absolutely loaded. And the three guys that spoke today, six foot two, six foot two, six foot one, the modern defensive backs. Florida State's put an emphasis on that, that length for some time now. It kind of went unnoticed for a while because we weren't winning games and for a stretch while the transformation was happening, the secondary wasn't good. So when you were bringing in guys that fit that modern mold of 6'1", 6'2", or longer, 
and that can really run. And it's crazy how hybrid football has gone since, say, even 15 years ago where these guys can do it all, come up and play the run game as well. Uh, Florida State's done a very good job. That's the one segment group where you've not gone into a season. You may not have had a season where you thought these two would dominate out on the edges, but you've had options. You've had good players go through there, different skill sets. Um, so you've had variety. And I feel like right now they have stockpiled, and that is solving the future because this is a passing game. Uh, the advantages, the efficiency ratings, all of that are in the pass game. Most offenses are pass-based these days. Yes, all coaches will tell you they want to run the ball, but you've got to defend the pass, see what's happened to the linebacker position. It's been diminished. Most teams a lot of times will just have two linebackers on the field. Uh, and so it's very important that you have guys that you can slide inside that are really long and turn and run and do a multitude of things. Florida State has done a great job with that. And you're right, all of these new guys, every time you look at them, you look at the measurables, and then you hear them talk, you say, these guys are about the business. It's beautiful. It is, and you're going to be sending some good players to other schools. I don't know, I don't know if it's going to happen as early yeah. as this spring. It might be as early as this spring. It might not. But you're going to be sending some really good players who are going to do positive things, make impacts at other schools. There's just – I know, as you're saying, it's correct. There's only two linebackers on the field, so there's an extra spot for a defensive back. But you can't put eight of them out there at one time, and you're going to have a crunch here coming yeah. pretty soon. Yeah. If not at the end of this current spring camp, like, I mean, just think about it. If you're, if you're a redshirt freshman now at Florida state and you're Quindarius Jones, KJ Kirkland, Conrad Hussey, Edwin Joseph, one of those players, I'm sure I'm missing one or two. And now here comes Jamari Howard, Charles Lester and Kai Bates. They're going to be more guys coming along the way in the summer as well. I mean, you've got a real log jam there and it's not like we lost everybody last year. Azaria and Fentrell were already basically two of your starters on the outside, and Greedy was your primary backup at slots. And now you're bringing in Earl. I mean, your head spins with all of the options that are here. Yep. Florida State's going to be a big player in that export. Yeah, market. recruit over people. I don't care. And the ones who don't make it, they can leave. And that's where we got to get. It's got to be ruthless. I want to see it at wide receiver. I want to see it at defensive back. I want to see it on the offensive line. I want to go, man, it's a shame we're going to lose so and so. He's a really quality player. He's just not good enough to start here. He can take it on down the road. That's what I hope happens everywhere. Recruit over all these guys and force them to fight off the next guy up. Well, that's what Earl Little is here for, from Alabama. I mean, you could hear it, and we've referenced this a few times, but Clint uh, Clint Lamb from uh, at the Alabama on three site, Bama Online, was very good about that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be a good player. Just, I, I, yeah. It's just that, you know, it's Alabama, and right now there's a stockpile. Now, I don't know that Clint will be able to do a lot of those interviews the same way two and three years from now. We'll see if DeBoer succeeds. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But that's where Alabama is right now as a program, that you could have a linebacker speaking today at Florida State that people figure is going to be a starter. And it hurts, but it ain't devastating from the Crimson Tide's perspective. And same thing with Earl Little, that they go out the door. Trust ISF to help realize your innovative vision. Their focus and expertise at the state level helps you attain better efficiency, productivity, and return on investment. That's what it's all about. ISF, ISF.com. Thanks for solving for the future with us, ISF. And I say that to say this, which, all right, you can say I'm beating you over the head with it, but don't forget about my friends at Social Kitchen. They've got incredible steaks, high-quality meat. Time to rub some meat this weekend, guys. Let's go. High-quality meat. Each of uh, these three comforting dishes that I'm going to point out to you are handcrafted, hand-prepared by our chef. Our chef, Chris, is really good. 
and it's seamless and hassle-free. Uh, you can place an order online. If you uh, if you go check them out, you will all you gotta do is click the little button there, and you'll see chicken enchiladas and the recipes that they used and how it was made. You pick it up, feeds a family. Herb pork tenderloin as well doesn't suck. Really good, in fact. Mozzarella stuffed meatballs, I love. I mean, I, every time I get one of these meals, it's delicious. You place the orders. Order Chef Trio, all three meals. It's affordable. It's easy. You pick it up. You place the order. Socialkitchentlh.com. Socialkitchentlh.com. Pick it on up. That's what you do. All right. Mark my words, Kansas City wins the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58 says Carrie. You betting it, Carrie? You uh, taking the two and a half and laying, uh, laying some cash down on the line? What do you think? What's the uh, so? I hope Carrie's betting it for more than five dollars. Thank you for the contribution, Carrie. Uh, if you're if you're putting some money on it, what's the rule for you with money lines versus spreads? You know, inside of three points. Like we know that three is a key number, and you can have some you know wiggle room at three. I just take the better juice. I just take him. What am I getting? Plus, you know, I, I the rule for me, I don't the, like. Is, is is two and a half worth it to you if you're taking the dog? Like, or you just say the hell with it at two and a half. I'm taking the money line. Yeah, I usually just take the money line and take the winner at that. If it's two, one and a half, certainly. Um, that's what I do. Two and a half is, isn't enough to move me off of it. Um, three and a half is. <laughs> you know, the key numbers yeah, matter. Yeah. Right, um, right. You know, seven and a half, three and a half, ten and a half. Yeah, those kinds of numbers <laughs> sway. Maybe that's a question for Lee next year. It's just like the, the logic behind that. I'm sure at scale, if you're betting over and over and over again, like a professional would, you take the points at two or two and a half. But to me, it just doesn't – and football, it just doesn't seem all that valuable because how often do you find a – You just a don't see too many 31-30, 24-23, 28-27, 17-10. Games they exist. We've all watched them. They're riveting. It happens. You could lose. We all get it. It's called gambling for a reason. But those numbers that NFL games are decided by are pretty easy. Uh, There, there are big numbers that you need to know uh, and and play through or not. And you know those are three and a half. Those are four and a half. Those are six and a half. Seven and a half. You get start getting into those. You you do see a lot more. 31-28, 28-24 type games, 27-24. You you do see that. This feels like one of those, doesn't it? And so if I'm taking the favorite here, I don't mind if I believe San Francisco is going to win 31-28 or 28-24 or 27-24. I'll lay the two and a half and have fun with it all day. And if I'm on the other end of it and I think Kansas City is just going to straight up win the game, yeah, I'm just taking a money line. I won't take the two and a half. What percentage, if you had a pie chart, because I, I know you're advanced like that in uh, your household with betting, in a Super Bowl specifically, props versus straight bets. And by straight bets, money, you know, spreads, the totals. What percentage do you think it is props, dollar-wise, dollar versus for the super, straight bets? For the Super Bowl in my house? Only the Super Bowl. Yeah, because it's a special one where you bet more props than you normally would. So is it 60-30? Uh, sorry, 70-30? Uh, uh, props versus straight bets. Is I it- have fun with it. I do it with the kids. We like, uh, you know, I welcome them in. Come on in, kids. Let's do something wholesome like gambling. And I get them to get in there. First, I have them grab me a beer out of the kitchen. And then they come in and we sit down. And, uh, you know, maybe I light up a cigar and I talk about what it means to gamble together as a family. And 
then from there, you know, I insist on them having a working knowledge of how gambling works, you know, and I'll many years have a similar conversation when I explain to them what prostitutes are, for example. But it's as we go, I kid, I kid, everybody. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I wondered what he would do. He did it. <laughs> I was hoping you'd go Ric Flair. That was the whole thing. Oh, well done. But, no, I, I, I do sit around with them and have fun and say, all right, guys, what do you want? And I'll look at the sheet. Yeah, it's no, they'll just pick a winner. But, no, let's, I, I get into, like, all the pop culture stuff and have fun with it. I'll be like, all right, so, you know, there's, there's a bet out there. How many times will they show Taylor Swift? I mean, how, how many times do you think, kids? And then I'll just talk about broadcasting. Well, too many. Too many. <laughs> Uh, no, but I, I we have fun with it. So, uh, I I but my personal bets. Oh, I have five bets on this game, and I kind of gave you one of those bets just now a little earlier today. Hey, good work out of you. We'll talk tomorrow about all these bets. It's Libations Friday. It'll be just before the weekend gets underway. We'll be uh, we'll have a good time. Uh, appreciate you, director. As always, be well, everybody. Peace. <laughs>